kindred lot live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forever. You folks look even better than last year. Happy New Year to each of you. I thought, you know, you somehow get confined by your own thoughts, and I thought that I had missed out on a, what has been a personal tradition for me, and that is to preach the principle of Kwanzaa that falls on the first Sunday after Christmas. I've done that for over 30 years, and I thought because I was not here last Sunday, which was the first Sunday after Christmas, that I had missed it. But then I decided it's my tradition. I established it, I practiced it, and I'm free to change it. And so here we are on the second Sunday after Christmas, preaching a sermon entitled Umoja. Uh, every year you get a Swahili lesson and we teach you the word Habaragani, which translates to what is the news, and you respond with the principle of the day and the phrase Habaragani. So the greeting would be Habaragani, the response would be Umoja Habaragani. Now I'll let you hold that in your thoughts because we are going to end our sermon today again with the greeting Habaragani and your response at that time will be Umoja Habaragani. That makes you have to remember it all that time. The principles of Kwanzaa, there are seven of them and they are arranged in a uh, display that's called the, uh, the, the seven principles as a phrase or the, um, the, the seven are arranged in particular order beginning with Umoja. Umoja it translates to mean unity and today we're preaching about unity and the scripture was about unity. I'm particularly fond of how the theme of unity connects with the word, another Swahili word, pamoja, which is interpreted to be together. And pamoja is the middle name of both my son and my grandson. So you, we've got unity and then we have togetherness. This theme of unity you heard very clearly in the scripture as it was read uh, how good and pleasant it is for kindred to dwell together in unity. It may have seemed like the worship leader lost some of that psalm because there were only three verses. 
There are three psalms in your Bible that have only three verses, those being Psalms 131, 133, and 134. And there's even another psalm, Psalm 117, has only two verses. Gladly, the importance and the content of the psalm is not determined by how many words or letters there are in it, but by the importance and the depth of the thought that goes into writing the psalm. And so this psalm is about unity, how good and pleasant it is for those who dwell together in unity. Uh, Good and pleasant is one of those phrases that could run together if you let it, and you would not do justice to the word pleasant if you just lumped it in there with the good. How good it is and how pleasant it is. Good is a typical word of assessment. It tells us that something is happening that is being done effectively, how good it is, how correct it is, how powerful it is. God used this word back in Genesis at creation, how good it is that I divided the light from the darkness, how good it is that I've created every living creature, how good it is. And in fact, when God got to making people, God said, it's very good. Didn't just stay with the adjective, but added an adverb to that. But I'm claiming that the word pleasant is among the most important words in this psalm. A lot of things we do well and we say that's good. Pleasant is a sensory rather than evaluative word. Uh, good means I succeeded, I accomplished what I was setting out to accomplish, but if I managed to experience it as pleasant, that's something special. Pleasant comes from the same ache as pleasing. It's mild, it's nice, how nice. You're not meeting any threshold or passing any test when you determine that something is nice. It is a good and enjoyable experience and sensation. Pleasing to all that are involved not tied to any motive or goal, just nice. Uh, James Demas, the pastor who ordained me, used to say, it's nice to be nice. Just nice. There's no payback. There's no payoff. There's no agenda. Just nice. And David, the psalmist, thought it important to include that in this psalm. When you write a psalm that's only got three verses, you have to be careful with every word. The word pleasant is not a tag-along in this psalm. It is the heart of what David is experiencing when he writes the psalm. The psalm is written as one of 15 psalms of ascent that are in the 150 psalms in the Bible. The songs of ascent mean we're going up somewhere. 
in the case of this psalm, we're going up to the temple in Jerusalem. We knew we were going there. We knew why we were going there. We just didn't know how pleasant it was going to be, how good and pleasant it is. We may have thought we'd get stuck in traffic going up there. We may have thought it to be an ordeal, but we're experiencing it as good and as pleasant. It's nice to be together with all of these folks who are on the same page and listening to the same station as me or as you. I can think to some occasions where I was in a large crowd that was of one accord. And there, there was a march from City Hall in Chicago to Soldier Field back when Mayor Daley was still the mayor. And Dr. Martin Luther King led that march. And we marched from Soldier Field to City Hall. It was good and it was pleasant that we were dwelling together in unity. I can remember some football games or basketball games where it was enough of a crowd to get in each other's way, but because we were on one accord, it was good and it was pleasant. And if we lost the game, we had unity over that grief of having lost that game. In the second verse of this psalm, David takes time to talk about oil, not the Beverly Hillbillies kind of oil. But the oil used in most sacred rituals is olive oil. And if there was such a thing as extra, extra, extra virgin olive oil, that's what we, they would use in these sacred rituals. The ceremonial oil, which was blended with some, some myrrh or other spices or incense. The ceremonial oil, it said, it is like oil. And the it, every time you hear it in this psalm, we're talking about unity. It is like the oil, uh, the oil, even the oil on the head of Aaron. Uh, the oil on the head of Aaron. We need to understand they're talking now, or David's talking now about the anointing of Aaron, which is the beginning of the priesthood in Judaism. The priesthood begins with the anointing of Aaron and Moses was generous with his oil. He poured oil on Aaron's head to the point, where is Joe? This is my illustration for the day because it, the oil spilled down into the beard of Aaron, which was kind of like Joe's beard. And the oil saturated not only the head of Aaron and the beard of Aaron, but dripped all the way down to the hem of Aaron's clothes. Moses was not stingy with the oil that day. And that's what unity is like. God's not stingy with the blessings when we're able to get together and have some unity. Not sparing the oil, not measuring the oil, just immersing ourselves in oil. It's real pleasant because the oil was for purpose. Not only the purpose of sanctification, but the purpose of 
refreshing those who traveled on those dusty roads. It's the same kind of anointing of the head that Jesus did with the feet of the disciples on that night before the crucifixion. And so Aaron is immersed in the oil which I got to experience at an ordination in Indianapolis where Preston Taylor or Preston you know, Preston Taylor and Deborah Peoples-White were ordained in a joint ordination service and they anointed them with oil poured from a shofar, which is the horn of a ram. A shofar is also played as a musical instrument, but on that occasion, Bishop uh, Tom Benjamin filled the shofar with anointed oil and immersed, Preston is a large man, immersed Preston and immersed Deborah in this anointed oil. Not like you sometimes see people dabbing a little bit on the forehead, they were immersed in oil and how very good and pleasant it was. Deborah was wrapped with at least 12 towels to keep her pretty white dress pretty and white, but they did not spare the oil once they got her wrapped with these towels. It is unity. And the final verse of the psalm has another figure for what it's like, the unity is like. It's like the dew of Hermon. The dew of Hermon is, we're not talking about a man named Hermon, we're talking about Mount Hermon, H-E-R-M-O-N. And the interesting thing about Mount Hermon, or one of the interesting things, is that the dew is not dew. Dew is normally evaporation from plant life that rises and goes up. But in the case of Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon is a mountain over 9,000 feet tall in Palestine, and it's one of the few snow-covered mountains in the Holy Land. And so what we're calling the dew of Mount Hermon is the snow from the top of the mountain blowing out and filtering down to the people. But it's a reciprocal situation because the snow that covers the mountaintop is formed from the evaporation of the plant life below in Mount Zion and the mountains called the Zion Mountains but they would only have foliage because of the dew coming down from Mount Hermon. It's an exchange back and forth. Mount Hermon feeds the other mountains and the other mountains and the flatland feed Mount Hermon. It's good to use this kind of image to talk about unity. The unity of the mountains, the unity of plant life and the unity of the way nature is exchanging this precipitation back and forth, never losing a drop of it. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon, and again, it is unity. How good and pleasant 
when we think with unity, how good and pleasant when we act with unity, when we recognize and desire unity. We are closest to God's intentions for us when we are united. We are our best selves when we can think and live and act with unity. Habaragani, Umoja Habaragani.